what mediocrity will save you. Excellent people will conquer what average people will complain about. Most of the people who don't get ahead in life don't because they're too busy complaining about why they can't get ahead in life. But an excellent person conquers the things average people complain about. Excellent people pursue solutions. Average people stare at problems. Excellence orchestrates in the mind, translates into speech, and demonstrates in your life. You don't have to ask a person if they are excellent. You can tell by the way they dress. You can tell by the way they talk to you. You can tell by the way they organize what's around them. You can tell by the way they order their words when they speak. Excellence is not imposed from the outside. It is released from the inside. If you and I are going to be effective leaders, and if we're going to inspire people to be excellent, they are going to have to see it in our mindset, our demonstration of life, and in our speech. Excellent people make improvements, not excuses. So here are the principles of excellence that every human should know. Number one, don't settle for the average. Do not settle for the average. Average is the grave in which excellence is buried. Average people strive to fit in while excellent people strive to stand out. You can never change what you accept. You can never change what you refuse to confront. If you keep pretending that mediocrity is your best, then you will never proceed to excellence. You were not born to be an average person. This, therefore, is the challenge. We need to inspire people to not settle even when they seem to be successful. As a matter of fact, the greatest enemy of progress is your last success. When you settle on what you've done and believe you've achieved everything, you have just begun to die. Excellent people never settle for the average. Develop a deep commitment to excellence. You will never be excellent until you decide that this is the lifestyle you will have. Develop a deep commitment to excellence. First, you should be the best, then you will be first. In business, everybody's trying to be first in the market, but that's the wrong pursuit. Excellent people don't try to be first. They try to be excellent. Michelangelo, one day, was painting the Sistine Chapel. You all know the story of Michelangelo, the most awesome painting in Rome. People traveled all over the world to see this man's painting. And you know what Michelangelo did, right? He'd lie on his back on a scaffold and he painted the entire ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It's the most beautiful, awesome artwork in Rome. An awesome work. One day, the story goes, it's a true story, that Michelangelo was painting and one of his aides came in to check on him. When he walked into the chapel, there were candles everywhere. It was dark and musty. Michelangelo could not be seen. And so his friend and colleague cried out, 
Michael, he heard no sound. Michael, are you here? He heard some noise in the corner, in the dark, behind a post, up above the nave, in the secret corner where no one could see. Michael! And he heard a voice from way in the back, underneath the scaffold, behind the post, up above the ledge, in the dark corner of the chapel. My name is Scott Harrison. <laughs> Just listen. This is my wife, my son, and my one on the way. I lead an organization called Charity Water, and our mission is to bring clean water to everyone on the planet. I live in New York City now, but I didn't always. I grew up in suburbia. An answer came. Yes, I'm busy. And the aide came and walked up and looked up in the darkness behind the post, way behind the rafters, and there's Michelangelo on his back with a painting brush in his teeth, one in his hand, on his palette. It'll cost you what mediocrity will save you. Excellent people will conquer what average people will cost you what mediocrity will save you. Excellence will cost you what mediocrity will save you. Excellent people will conquer what average people will complain about. Most of the people who don't get ahead in life don't be number one. Don't excellent people inspire people to is not imposed from the outside. Organize what's around them. You can tell by the way they it is released is not imposed from the outside it is released from the inside if you and i are going to be effective leaders and if they speak excellence they talk to you you can tell by the way they it is released from the inside if you and i are going to be effective leaders and if we're going to inspire people to be excellent, they are going to have to see it in our mindset, our to be excellent, they are going to have to see it from the inside. If you and I are going to be effective leaders, and if we're going to inspire people to be excellent, they are going to have to see it in our mindset, and I are going to be effective leaders, and if we're going to inspire people to be excellent, they are going to have to see it in our mindset, our demonstration of life, and in our speech. Excellent people make improvements, not excuses. So here are the principles of excellence that every human should know. Number one, don't settle for the average. Do not settle for the average. Average is the grave in which excellence is buried. Average people strive to fit in while excellent people strive to stand out. You can never change what you accept. You can never change what you refuse to confront. If you keep pretending that mediocrity is your best, then you will never proceed to excellence. You were not born to be an average person. This, therefore, is the challenge we need 
to inspire people to not settle even when they seem to be successful. As a matter of fact, the greatest enemy of progress is your last success. When you settle on what you've done and believe you've achieved everything, you have just begun to die. Excellent people never settle for the average. Develop a deep commitment to excellence. You will never be excellent until you decide that this is the lifestyle you will have. Develop a deep commitment to excellence. First, you should be the best, then you will be first. In business, everybody's trying to be first in the market, but that's the wrong pursuit. Excellent people don't try to be first. They try to be excellent. Michelangelo, one day, was painting the Sistine Chapel, and you all know the story of Michelangelo, the most awesome painting in Rome. People traveled all over the world to see this man's painting, and you know what Michelangelo did, right? He lie on his back on a scaffold, and he painted the entire ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It's the most beautiful, awesome artwork in Rome, an awesome work. One, one of his aides came in, everywhere it was dark and musty Michelangelo could not be seen and so and musty Michelangelo could not be seen and so his friend and colleague cried out Michael he heard no sound Michael are you here he heard some noise in the corner in the dark behind a post up above the nave in the secret corner where no one could see Michael! And he heard a voice from way in the back, underneath the scaffold, behind the post, up above the ledge, in the dark corner of the chapel. And the answer came, yes, I'm busy. And the aide came and walked up and looked up in the darkness behind the post, way behind the rafters, and there's Michelangelo on his back with a painting brush in his teeth, one in his hand, on his palette, and he is painting the feathers of one of the little angels in the dark behind the post where no one will ever see. His colleague said, Michael, what are you doing up there? He said, I'm painting the ceiling. He said, but Michael, you are putting details on the feather on the wings of an angel in the dark behind the post above the nave, beyond the rafters, where no one will ever see it. Why waste your time? And without catching a breath, Michelangelo spoke through the brush in his teeth and said, but God sees it, he keeps on painting. What a spirit of excellence. An excellent spirit does not work because people are watching. It doesn't work because it will be known. Excellence comes from a spirit, an attitude on the inside. See, Michael, was not working for the observation of people. He had an integrity with himself. He believed that everything he did should be the best he ever done, even if no one ever saw it. A person of excellence will always possess these two things, ethics and integrity. You see, your gift will carry you where your character won't keep you. Ethics are moral standards grounded in principles that govern your beliefs and convictions. Ethics are mental attitudes based on beliefs that control your behavior. 
what you believe manifests how you behave. Integrity is integration of your words with your behavior. What you say and do are supposed to be consistent if you are a person of integrity. An excellent spirit is a spirit of what? Integrity. Excellence produces trust. Why? Because people watch what you say and to see if it equals what you do before they trust you. True leaders are people who cause others to trust them because they say what they mean and they mean what they say. If you're going to be a person of excellence in leadership, you must integrate your words with your action. If you promise someone you're going to give them a call, give them the call. If you promise someone you're going to meet with their group, then do all in your power to show up and be at that meeting. Because excellence is integrity. What you're saying is what you do, and what you do is what you say. Go the second mile. Excellence is manifested in people who are not afraid of doing their best. Responsibility is greater than rights. Give more than you take from life. Go the second mile. How many people do you know they only do what you ask them to do? An excellent spirit always goes beyond the call of duty and beyond the assignment. An excellent spirit does not do just because you were told, but it does because it believes and it acts. Go the second mile for excellence. Be consistent. Nothing is as frustrating as an inconsistent human. You know a few of them, don't you? You're probably sitting in their shoes right now. An excellent person sets high standards for themselves. Be consistent. People forget how fast you do a job, but never how good. Be consistent in your performance. Always do a job the best you can. Always manifest the excellency of your attitude in everything you do. Be consistent. Never stop improving. Excellence is a spirit that is never satisfied. A person of excellence may be impressed by what they've done, but never satisfied with what they've done. They are constantly improving. Excellence is the gradual result of striving to be better. Excellence is constantly growing. If you grow, everything will get better. Ignorance is the greatest enemy of man. Knowledge is his best friend. So the less you know, the more you are confused about life. The more you learn, the more simple life becomes. When you stop learning, you start losing. When you stop growing, you start dying. Always give 100%. Make excellence a lifestyle. Do it right the first time, all the time. Mediocrity is a personal trait. Excellence is a choice, like attitude. You choose to be excellent. Don't boil or fry another egg before listening to this. See, our bodies are nearly 20% protein. Protein is crucial for building muscles and bones. 
But I didn't deal with that. You want to make your dream come true, you got to stay focused. Some people rather get even than get ahead. Stay focused on where you want to go. I just kept on doing what I was supposed to do. And so I was driving to the radio station. My opponent had over $20,000. I had less than $800. As I was in the radio station, the guy said, you're going to make a commercial? I said, yes. He said, it better be a good one because that money can't go pretty far here. <laughs> and I sat there in the middle control room and I was thinking, and here's what happens when you get still. Stuff will start coming. Something said, call your mama. You used to talk about your mother on the air all the time. Ask her to say a few words for you. That'll be a different kind of political spot. <laughs> so I called my mama and I had a, a, a gospel record playing in the background. <laughs> and then I had my mother say, hello, this is Mrs. Mamie Brown. When I raised my sons, I raised them to be good children. When they got out of hand, I beat their behind and made them go right. Please vote for my son. He's a good boy. <laughs> Usually in the state representative race, maybe three or 4,000 people will come out to vote in a primary. In that primary race, over 27,000 people came out and voted and said, I'm voting for Les Brown because his mama say he's a good boy. <laughs> I won, ladies and gentlemen. I won. So you've got to be willing to stay focused, to be creative, to be relentless, because things are going to happen to you when you're working on your dream, when you get on track. I remember when I first got involved in speaking, one of the main things that speakers like to do is to speak to a certain association that they have over... 10,000 of their sales reps had come to this convention. And I was relentless. I kept saying, it's possible. It's possible. See, what I want to let you know and set you up for, because you said it's possible, don't mean that you're not going to have any problems. <laughs> that Murphy's Law ain't going to come and slap you side the head. <laughs> oh, Murphy's going to come visit you. He's waiting for some of y'all out in the parking lot. <laughs> oh, you say it's possible. Okay, it's possible. Good. Get up. Well, I was working. I kept saying, it's possible. They got other speakers on this program. I can be on that program, too. I kept selling myself. I got all fired up. And I was calling them every day, every day. And the lady finally said, Mr. Brown, I tell you what. We want you to come in and talk to our sales executives. You got the kind of fire and guts that they want that will motivate them. And let me tell you something else. We want you to bring your motivational tapes. You're going to need at least $50,000 worth of tapes. I said, is that right? Yes, because they want to keep that drive alive. I said, all right. I called the guy to duplicate my tapes. I said, Don, how you doing? This is Les. Let me tell you, I got a major speaking engagement. I said, man, it's a speaker's dream. I need over $50,000 worth of product. He said, Les, you don't have that kind of credit. <laughs> I said, I know, but Don, I can sell that. Just, just right after speaking engagement, I'll give you money in four days. He said, are you sure, Les? I said, yes, but I got a major speaking engagement, and they told me to do it. He said, man, that, that's a big offer. Let me talk with the lady with you. I said, hold on just a minute, man. Call the lady back. Hello, Evelyn, how you doing? This is Les Brown. I got Don on the phone. What did you say? Do I have the speaking engagement? Yes, you do. And, and what else you suggest? Les, our, our people, they buy a lot of tapes. Your tapes are very popular among them. I'm saying bring at least $50,000 worth of tapes, Les. You'll sell everything you got and more. 
I said, did you hear that, Don? He said, yes. I said, now, if anybody else has to make a decision, are you the final person? She said, I'm the final person. I will send you the contract. I want you. I said, you hear that, Don? He said, yes. I said, oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> I said, duplicate the tapes, man. Hunt the photo. Well, he duplicated the tapes. One week, came by. I'm checking the mail every day. No contract. I said, come on, Murphy, don't start nothing. Come on. Come on, man, give me a break. Come on. You know, this ain't fair. Come on, man. Give me a break. Come on. I talked to myself, you know. I didn't want to call him right then. Two weeks passed by. Murphy said, don't you think you ought to call him? I said, okay. I called. I said, hello, uh, this is Les Brown calling. How you doing, Les? I said, fine. I said, um, Evelyn hasn't sent my contract out yet. Any additional information you need? So, Les, you haven't heard? I said, no. I said, Evelyn died. I said, she died? I said, did she say anything about me? Like, yo, is it just me? We, we just acting like 2020 didn't happen, 2021 didn't happen. Like, we acting like COVID didn't happen, and, and they're pushing you out, acting like you just supposed to go back out in the world like nothing happened. So May, May 21st, Atlanta, Georgia, Mankind 360, your boy E.T., right, and a bunch of my other friends who figured it out. And a lot of y'all got hit in COVID, and you haven't been able to figure it out since. Right? You went from relationship to relationship. Stuff is falling apart for you. You've gotten yourself into a hole that you can't dig yourself out of. Listen to me very closely. I figured it out. Y'all know I was homeless. I figured it out. Right? I'm bringing my friends who figured it out to help you figure it out. You need help. So I brought my man Deion Sanders. Deion figured it out. I brought Tab and Chan. They figured it out. I brought Jesse. Yep, Jesse figured it out. Yep, I brought Ed. Ed figured it out. Inky. Y'all know where Inky business. Inky figured it out. I brought Jamal. Jamal figured it out. Listen to me very closely. Toby gonna help you figure it out. We're here to help you figure it out. And and I'm gonna show you. Discipline is your life like vision. And discipline is simply defined as self-imposed standards for the sake of a higher goal. Again, discipline is defined as self-imposed standards for the sake of a higher goal. So I'm, I'm talking now about self-discipline. All leaders have to have the quality of self-discipline. You are not a leader if you are not self-disciplined. Now, self-discipline implies that there are other discipline. In other words, discipline externally is considered other discipline. A leader doesn't need much discipline from the outside. They self-impose discipline on themselves. And that is what we call self-discipline. Now, the key to achieving your vision is discipline. And this scripture found in Proverbs 29, we read it early this week. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Blessed is the man who keeps the law. A little definition here of what that means. Where there is no vision, people throw off restraint. That's what that word perish means. It means to throw off self-control. In other words, where there is no revelation of the future, people throw off self-discipline. So the key to your life is 
finding a vision that imposes discipline on you. In essence, vision is the source of discipline. I'll explain discipline in a minute, what, what, what it means, how it works. Discipline is the root of leadership. It actually is the, the very nature that attracts people to you. A disciplined person naturally begins to attract people because people admire discipline in other people. That's why we go to see athletes perform. We really admire their discipline that they put themselves through. If you do the same thing as a person, people will then begin to believe what you say. Your very life of discipline creates trust. People trust a person who they perceive to be disciplined. This is why athletes also are used to promote and advertise and market products. People, they are selling the discipline of that athlete. Okay? Not their fame, but their discipline. We think it's a discipline. I mean, it's a fame. It's actually a discipline. We think that if we wear Nike shoes, we will jump like Mike. Okay? So the, the idea that they sold us was, if you want to be like Mike, now you know 180 pounds and some chitlins, you cannot be like Mike. But you still buy the Nike shoes because the idea is what you're wearing. So you're buying the discipline that he has in his life that produced the kind of professional athleticism that he is known for. And so you are really um, impacted by the discipline. Uh, we love to watch sports and not play it. <laughs> Why? We admire those athletes because of their discipline. The same thing is true about you. If you remain consistent and disciplined in your life, you'll find people will come just to watch you and they'll want to actually pay to watch you. They bring their offerings and their tithes to watch you do what you do. It's incredible. So discipline is powerful and according to the Bible, discipline comes from vision. Vision. A man or woman without a clear vision for their lives lives a very loose life. But a man with a vision they live a very narrow life. Very important. The disciplined people live very narrowly. When a man or woman has a vision, their life becomes very, very tight. Why? Because vision simplifies life. What do I mean by this? Again, it'll take a couple of days to teach this, but it's very important. When you capture a vision, it simplifies everything. Everything. Because vision controls all of your choices after that. Once you know where you're going, you also automatically know what roads won't take you there. You understand that statement? Yes. So if, 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 if you know what to do, you automatically know what you shouldn't do. Vision defines your what to do in life. Because vision gives you your address your permanent address. It shows you your destination, where we get our word destiny from. Your destiny dictates your decisions. Write it down. Your destiny dictates your decisions. So life becomes simple. Uh, if someone offers you something and it doesn't 
collaborate in its unity with your vision, it's easy to say no. See, but without a vision, it's tough for you to refuse things. Life becomes complicated. Let's take another thought here and see if we can push this a little further. You were not born to do everything. Say amen. Boy, I'm so glad when the Lord told me that. I said, oh, thank you. The pressure is off. We somehow have this attitude that we have a lot of things to do in life. I disagree. I used to think so myself. You don't have a lot to do in life. Isn't that wonderful? When you study people who have been successful in their lives and eventually became influential, like Moses, Joseph, Joshua, David, Paul, Jesus, Abraham, Lincoln, Abraham himself. I mean, all these people, you think their lives are very simple people. Very simple people. There's a term that is normally associated with them. Here's, here's a term. This one thing I do. See, you got to get to the point where you're only living for one thing. And life becomes simple. People who discover vision, they live longer. They live healthier. There's no stress. Stress comes from not knowing what to do. You remember the story of Matthew, I mean Martha rather, and Mary. Jesus said something to Martha that changed my life. Let me talk about Martha for a couple of minutes. Martha's an interesting woman. Martha is like most of us. We live on assumptions. Even of God. Martha had a visitation from God. He came to visit a house. Guess what she did? She assumed he was hungry. See, that's the problem. We think we know what God wants us to do. One thing you learn from this summit so far is that vision is from God. You don't tell him what you are going to do. You got to report to him, submit to him, and stay still until you are clear of the revelation. <laughs> because without that revelation, there is no self-discipline. Martha ended up cooking for God and he wasn't hungry. And then she became angry because other people were not joining her in her busyness, which was not appropriate. <laughs> in other words, she tried to get other people involved in things that was not God's will at the time. I wonder if you're doing that. Martha proceeded to cook for God. And then she came to God and says, look, why don't other people come and help me? Send my sister to help me. Now, the answer Jesus gave you must study. It was a leadership answer. He said, Martha, you are so busy about many things. Tell your neighbor, I think that's me. If that's what your life is like. All of you who have known me for the past 20 years, you know that I, have, I haven't changed. I've grown, but I haven't changed. There's a difference between growing and changing. I grow in my knowledge and my experience and my experience, but I haven't changed. I am still the same guy with the same message. Same intent. That makes my life simple. 
He says, you're busy about so many things. You're trying to do everything. You're trying to be everybody and trying to be everything to everybody. And then he said to her, Martha, big words, only few things are necessary. <laughs> Boy, that's a beauty, eh? He said, look, life is filled with a million questions every day and a million things to do. He said, but only few things really necessary to do in life. Let me ask you a question. Are the things you've done for the past 11 months in this year, were they necessary? Don't answer it. Just think about it. You might be shocked at your answer. The question then is, what is necessary? How, you, how do you define necessary? It's, it's answered in the Bible very clearly. It's easy to find what's necessary. Necessary, according to Paul, the apostle, is defined like this. Paul says in First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, he said, all things are permitted for me to do. I can do anything I want. He says, but not all things benefit me. Interesting. I don't care how old you are now, you're going to soon be dead. 70 years is so short, you ain't got time to make a mistake anymore. And if you're 40 years old, you are already over the 50% mark. So you better make sure you clear this thing quickly about what your vision is and define it so you waste no more days. You're going to be dead soon. This is no time for experimentation. This is a time for intentional living. You've got to know where you're going now. This is too late to take detours and go through corners you ain't supposed to go through and wondering how to get there. You better know your destination from this mountain. When you leave here with your certificate tomorrow, you better have a clear idea. And that's why this session is important for you. Because you ain't getting no younger, see? He said, Martha, only a few things are necessary in life. There's some people in your life who are not necessary. Some of you got the wrong company. And they've eaten up your time, wasting your time, eating with them and playing with them and watching TV with them and going to clubs with them and, you know, going out to, to conferences with them and all this stuff and all this stuff. And God is saying, look, you're still not getting where you're supposed to get to. These people are distractions. Some of the books you have been buying are not necessary. Romance novels, magazines, fashion. I mean, they don't get you to your dream. You see, when you have a vision, it simplifies life. You can walk up to a bookstore shelf and know exactly what books not to buy. See, vision dictates everything. Matter of fact, let me just give you some, some indications of how it controls your power of choice. The statement here, I'm sure you know it well, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> you become a leader when you find a thing you're supposed to master. Everything that you do is supposed to be motivated by your vision. 
everything. Vision is supposed to be the source of your human motivation. It simplifies your life. Do you know why most people are actually poor? I know why they're poor. Poverty, like we learned last night, is a, it's not a problem. It's a result. Most people are poor because no one knows who they are. What do you mean by that? Vision helps you identify yourself before the people in the world. And because they know who you are, they know what to come to you for. Let me give you another statement. Very important. This is so important. If you want to be successful, write this down. Do not seek success. Seek to become a person of value. Again, if you want to be successful in life, do not seek success. Seek to become a person of value. In other words, write it this way, make yourself valuable and they'll pay for you. Make yourself valuable and people will pay for you. That is what we do with gold, silver. How about gasoline, water? Our society has made these things what? Valuable. So we do what? We pay a lot of money for them because we made them valuable. Well, make yourself just like gold. In other words, develop a gift in your life that has become so valuable to everybody else that they will pay you to perform it. Les Brown and I were chatting one day. And uh, we became good friends over the past 10 years or so. And uh, one day we were chatting. Some of you were doing a conference together. And I was telling him about this invitation I got to go and speak to this company. And I said, uh, I said, uh, how much should I request as a fee from this company? And he said, how much do you think you are worth to that company? I said, I don't know. I was just starting in, in that particular area of the business of public speaking. And I said, I don't know, maybe four or five thousand bucks. He said, that's all you think you're worth? I said, they only want me to speak for an hour and a half. He said, that's what you think you're worth? I said, how much do you charge them for an hour and a half? He said, $25,000 starting price. He said, if you charge them Less than that, I'm ashamed of you. He said, you're better than me. And he was serious about it. So I filled out a contract and put $25,000. The check was in the mail the next day. Make yourself a person of value. Don't seek success. Let 
Let me give you another example how it works. If someone had to think about something that reminded them of you, what would it be? That's a serious question. Because if they never think about you, that means you have never made yourself valuable. You have become a jack of too many trades. So you master nothing. You think of Tiger Woods, what do you think about? Michael Jordan, what do you think about? Barbara Strike, what do you think about? Interesting. That's a good answer. Barbara Streisand, you think about two things, don't you? Acting and singing. See, she developed two gifts. What do they think about when they call your name? Your problem is they don't think about you at all. Become so good in an area that they can't ignore you. The world is filled with general people. You've come to this conference to cease being general. You're not in the general group anymore. You, you gotta go home and decide for the next 20 years, I'm gonna carve out a niche for myself that they're gonna have to find me and can't ignore me. You ever heard Jesus talk? Boy, he talked with such confidence. I am the bread of life. If any man hunger, he made himself valuable to them. I am the water of life. If any man thirsts, in other words, if anyone think of water, they think about me. He was trying to get across his value to them. So the crowds pressed him by the thousands to try and get to the water. Vision is what gives you this unique discovery about what you're supposed to master. So in my book on leadership, on my vision, I hope you get a copy of it and read it. It talks about the fact that sight is the ability to see things as they are. But vision is the capacity to see things as they could be. Now, this next statement is important. Write it in bold letters, please. All true visions will be tested for authenticity. All true visions will be tested for authenticity. If your vision is truly from God, life will test it to prove that it's authentic. So get used to the idea of challenges if your vision is real. It doesn't come to stop your vision. It came to test it, to prove it, that it's true, if it's real. If a vision is terminated by trials, it was probably not authentic. Sometimes your vision may take you to prison, but you got to go there with it and come out with it. Like Nelson Mandela. Suppose Nelson really wasn't serious about destroying apartheid when he stood in that courtroom as a 24-year-old lawyer. Just suppose. He said, you know, this ain't worth it, man. I'm going to go back to my job. Forget these people. You know, they can stand oppression. I got me a good job. I'm out of the neighborhood where I was, out of the slums. I'm going to be a lawyer in South Africa, and I'm going to make me some money. Forget my brethren. He could have said that. But his vision was so authentic to him. He said, I'd go to jail 
and lose my adult life for the sake of this vision. How much are you willing to pay to keep what you believe in? Vision is powerful. Write this down, please. True vision is discovered when you discover something you're supposed to die for. Visionary leaders ask the question, what kind of history do you dream of making? We're in this session to talk about how to write that vision down. But these are some preliminary thoughts you need to have in your mind. What is it that you'd like to do to write your part of history? In other words, do something that they cannot erase from history. And you don't need to do great massive things. We keep thinking I do great massive For example, the woman who... Sometimes your vision may take you to prison, but you got to go there with it and come out with it, like Nelson Mandela. Suppose Nelson really wasn't serious about destroying apartheid. When he's kind of history, do you dream of making? We're in this session to talk about how to write that vision down. But these are some preliminary thoughts you need to have in your mind. What is it that you'd like to do? to write your part of history. In other words, do something that they cannot erase from history. And you don't need to do great massive things. We keep thinking I do great For example, the woman who poured the oil on the body of Jesus, you know what he said about her? I mean, that was such a simple act, eh? She took some perfume, which is believed to have been some embalming type fluid as well because he said this was for my burial. The scent of that stuff was so strong they knew what it was. Very precious spices from Northern Africa and Asia and that was imported stuff. It's very expensive. She had a little vial of it. Probably cost about $15,000 in in our modern day currency. And she took that and rubbed it on the body of Jesus. And it was just a simple act and that's it. She vanished out of history. Guess what? We're not even sure what her name is. It doesn't tell us what her name was. Now, some people assume it's Mary and all that Mary Magdalene. You know, it, it doesn't quite say who it was. But yet Jesus said, what she has done will be spoken of all through history. See, some of you think you got to build a big building like Dr. Miles Monroe or build a school. No, there's some little things you were born to do that they can't get rid of. For example, there's no such thing as the gospel according to Andrew. Is that right? Yes. Amazing. He has no gospel. But yet it was Andrew who brought Jesus to Peter. Or Peter to Jesus, rather. In other words, he was the connector. There has to be an Andrew that history can't forget. You may never stand here where I am and be under the camera lights. That may not be your vision for being born. But whatever you're supposed to do is not supposed to be erased. That's why I am convinced you were not created just to make a living and pay bills. You were created to give life and make a difference.
joining us by way of YouTube and you haven't subscribed, I want you to subscribe. So if you can, come on now, please share, tag, and subscribe. Woo, this is the day the Lord has made and we are rejoicing and being glad in it. I need to know where people are from as you're coming in. Talk to me. Let me know that you are here. They call this within the, 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 the Christian church tradition. This is known as silent Saturday because we know about Good Friday. But then we know and we know about the resurrection of Sunday. But they say that it is on Saturday when things were silent. They refer to it as silent Saturday. But I'm telling you, as I posted earlier, we're not silent on tonight. All right. Yes. God bless bless you. God bless you. We're not silent on tonight. I want you to talk to me. Let me know that you're watching. God bless you, uh, Pastor Thompson from Philadelphia. Thank you for being with us on tonight. I, I, I hope you get a little something, something that can also be an inspiration for you even on tomorrow. Come on in. Come on in. I need you all to share, tag, share, tag, share, and subscribe if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel. I want to let you know, first of all, listen, uh, our virtual altar is open. It is available. All right, California and St. Louis, I see you all. Our virtual altar is open. It is available. You can give us a call right now at 855-258-7848. The intercessors are available to take your calls and touch and agree in prayer with you. Oh, Brother Ridge Williams, my friend, God bless you, man of God. God bless you from Atlanta, Georgia. Listen, you can get on the phone if you want them to touch and agree in prayer with you. Our virtual altar is open, 855-258-7848. You don't have to wait. You don't have to hesitate. I want to thank, uh, just say thank you right now to, 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 to our ambassadors of engagement. We have some new ambassadors of engagement, and I just thank God for them. They are on their post. We thank God for Elder Andre Murphy, for Evangelist Nina Turner, and for Sister Betty Reynolds. Sister Betty, we saw you on there early. You, you, you're not playing with us. Listen, they are the people that are keeping you engaged. They are the people that are talking to you. They're the people that are saying something to you uh, in, in, in the chat. So we, we just want to thank God for them. And I say to you, if you would like to be an ambassador of engagement or serve in any capacity with our team, we would love to have you. You see that? Join our team. All you have to do is send us an email at contact at just for you, the letter U, ministries.org. Let me say it again. And that information, uh, I think we got it somewhere down here on the screen. Contact at just for you, the letter U, ministries.org. And let us know that you would like to join our team. We, we, we've got openings in a lot of areas and we'd love to have you. Join the team if you can. Those of you that want to get a copy of our devotional, there's still time. That devotional covers the months of March, April, and May. So even if you get it now, you still have over a month of reading daily reading that's available, just let us know that you want to receive a copy of the devotional and our 
oil and prayer cloth survival package. You can still get that. I'm constantly, those are things I'm constantly giving those out, constantly giving those out. If you'd like to make a donation toward them, please do. The information is on the screen where you can make a donation. I just ask if those of you that are donating by way of cash app, we want to thank you. And if you would put your email address in the comment section, we're able to get in touch with you and thank you. But I'm asking as many of you that can and will on purpose, taking action to live with intention. It is a virtual inter with you, a testimony from someone that has sent their testimony in. This is a testimony that was sent in by one of our dear sisters from the Netherlands. Our prayer team, we get prayer you still have time to be a part of this session. Now, I want to start something tonight, and I want you all to uh, just hear me out, hear what, what, what I have to share with you, and I want you to consider being a part of this. We're going to be starting when we have our live sessions, what we're going to call testimony break. Don't y'all remember testimony service? Lift them hands in the chat. Y'all remember testimony service? Remember testimony service? You used to have testimony service. And, but we're going to have a testimony break whenever I'm on live, where I'm going to share with you a testimony from someone that has sent their testimony in. This is a testimony that was sent in by one of our dear sisters from the Netherlands. Our prayer team, we get prayer requests. I mean, I don't know how many, but a whole lot of prayer requests come in from our website every day, every week, and we pass them on to our intercessors, and our intercessors respond to those prayer requests. This is from one of the sisters, our dear sisters from the Netherlands. She says, thank you so much for standing beside us in prayer. God has answered two important needs. He, she says, first of all, we have found a new home and heard today that our offer has been accepted. Praise the Lord. So we will live in our first home around April 15th of 2022. She says, and secondly, my husband has found a new job, which is at normal daytime hours, and it is in the town where we will move to in the next couple of weeks. She says he's going to start his new job on, in, on May the 23rd, and that will include three weeks of training on the job. She says, we thank God for his guidance, his favor, and for his provision. Come on, y'all. We need to thank God for what he is doing. Thank God for what he is doing. Thank God for what he is doing. If you have a testimony and you want to share that testimony with us, I want you to just send it to us at contact at just for you, the letter U ministries.org. Send your testimony and we would love to share your uh, testimony with our viewers. Revelations 12 and 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. I'm so excited about the word. God is greater than your issues. Come on, Zion. I don't care how long you've had them. I'm a living witness. Yes. You can tell them. You can tell them. Let your praise rise. Come on. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we just thank and we praise God. How great thou art. Come on, let's pray. I've got a word. I've got a word. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, as I bring your word, bless your people. Strengthen your people. Encourage your people. Help them to know how great you are in their lives, God. Raise them to another level. Inspire them and encourage in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I'm looking at uh, John chapter number 20. I'm going to read a few verses. I'm going to just read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip down and read verses 15 and 16. John chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, and then skip down and read verses 15 and 16. Uh, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seek and seeth the stone taken from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we do not know where they have laid him. Skipping down the verses 15 and 16, and you can read the other verses at, at, at your leisure. It says, Jesus said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, uh, saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, Tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Verse number 16, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Robani, meaning rabbi, teacher, controller, which is to say, Master, I, I want to emphasize as you see this tomb, it's showing that the stone is rolled away. We see the darkness as we look on the inside of the tomb. But it is light on the outside. But the emphasis that I want to put on our message today is that verse number one says, that the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. Let's hear me good. When it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Again, she came when it was yet dark. She came to the grave. She came to the sepulcher. She came there to the tomb. And she, she saw just like we're seeing that the stone has been rolled away. It had been removed from the sepulcher. I just want to speak to you today from the subject, Jesus robes in the dark. Jesus robes 
in the dark. As a child, I, I, I always thought a great Easter was a was was a Sunday uh, that was bright and sunny and and warm, but growing up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the, it, it meant that the weather didn't always cooperate with what I thought would make a great Easter as a child. There were times it would be raining, there were times it would be glooming, and there were times it was even snowing. And when it was raining or gloomy or, or even snowy, to me as a child now, it, it just didn't feel like Easter. But as a student of the word of God, I've come to know that the most important holiday for the Christian church, which is Easter, or as many of us refer to it, Resurrection Sunday, it didn't take place on a bright, sunlit morning. It took place before the sun rose. It took place in the dark. John tells us in verse number one that the first day of the week when Mary Magdalene came early, when it was yet dark, they came when it was still dark unto the sepulcher and they saw the stone that it was rolled away uh, uh, during the time of our text. Watch this. The disciples are still in hiding. They're still fearing that they would be executed if they were spotted in public. Jesus, their master, their savior, the, the, their Rabboni, has been crucified and his body was lying in a borrowed tomb. Mary Magdalene, along with other women, they, they walked, watch this, in the dark. Come on, somebody, to get to the body of Jesus. Uh, uh, there were they were in the darkness of, of 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 grief they were in the darkness of hopelessness they were in the darkness of anxiety their vision of a better future died on that friday when jesus died my question to you today is have you ever felt the pain of grief and loss in the midst of this pandemic, uh, uh, have you uh, ever looked at your bills and felt a bit hopeless? In this season now, have you ever looked at your loved ones and felt anxiety about their future? Darkness. We all know what it's like to stumble through the darkness of life and, and struggle to find our way. But I'm here to let you know you can make it through the darkness of life. How? You have to keep moving. Somebody is asking, how, how, how is it that I make it? Through the dark, because I'm in the darkness. I know I'm talking to somebody who's watching right now and you're saying, it doesn't seem like a happy uh, 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 Easter and resurrection weekend to me because there's a lot of darkness in my life. I'm stumbling through the darkness. How do I make it through this darkness? 
I'm telling you, my brother, I'm telling you, my sister, the way you make it is that you've got to keep on walking, keep on moving. Mary Magdalene kept walking. What else could she do? And sometimes all you can do is just put one foot in front of the other. Just keep it moving. Somebody ought to type that. Keep it moving. Just keep it moving. Sometimes you got to just keep it moving. You got to tell yourself, keep it moving. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to get stuck in depression and feeling sorry for yourself. Keep it moving. But the Bible says that as she continues to move, as she continues to walk, and she makes her way to the graveyard, everything changed. And, 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 and I, I need you uh, to hear me today. Just because it looks bad from afar doesn't mean that's the way it really is when you get close up. From afar, it looked like a bad situation. But things were better than she thought once she got up close. The stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. Jesus rose from the dead and he did it in the dark. All four Gospels record the women's arrival, and they all record it being before or at daybreak. If Jesus was gone at daybreak, he had to leave before daybreak. Okay, I'm back at my point. He rose in the dark. This text lets me know that you and I, we don't have to wait until things get better to put our faith and our trust and confidence in God. His resurrection power can show up even in the midst of a dark season. Did you hear me today? The Bible lets us know that tombs were open in the middle of the night. Oh, just look through the Bible. Graves burst open in the middle of the night. Oh, it's in the book. Jesus comes walking on the waves and water in the middle of the night. Don't be afraid of the dark season. He will rescue you. He will come to where you are. He knows how to get to you in the dark. We understand the significance of the empty tomb. We understand that now uh, uh, it's important that the tomb was empty. But let's be clear. They didn't understand the importance of an empty tomb then 
You see how Mary Magdalene, she's she's trying to figure out who robbed us, who who took his body. What do y'all want with his body? Just give us his body back. Why y'all take his body? They assumed that the body of Jesus was stolen. They didn't know where they had put him or, or, or they didn't know where he was. I, I got a question for you. Have you ever felt like Jesus was nowhere to be found while you were walking in the dark? Have you asked yourself and even asked God, God, where are you in my night season? Where are you in the midst of my darkness? Where are you? In the midst of this time in which I don't know which way to turn, I don't know where to go, where are you? The only one who, who, who could show them the way, the only one who could restore their hope, the only one who could lighten their darkness was Jesus. And then he comes in the midst of their dark season in the middle of death in the graveyard. And when he comes, he brings life. He brings light and he brings joy. And I want to tell somebody that in the midst of what you're going through right now, Jesus is on his way. He's about to step in and he's stepping in with a turnaround. He's stepping in with resurrection power. He's stepping in to raise you up from what you thought had caused you to die. The devil is a liar you shall not die but live to declare the works of the lord somebody on a holler tight clap live hallelujah after the resurrection they still had to face the future with lots of challenges and i'm saying to you today that that's a life that's called life we face life and within life, there are lots of challenges. We don't get to live challenge-free. You know what? We don't need faith or hope in God when there are no challenges. We don't need faith or hope or trust in God if we're not stretched. But your faith is going to be stretched. Your trust in him is going to be stretched. Your hope is going to be stretched. But you've got to know that he will see you through it every time. His resurrection said, not even death could separate us from his love. I'm going to say that again because I got a good point to make here. Not even death. That's what the res resurrection was saying. Not even death could separate us and you from his love. If death couldn't do it, surely the pandemic can't do it. Social injustice can't separate us. Wickedness in high places can't do it. And, and, and Paul says in Romans 8 and 35, watch this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Now notice, this is a point I want to make to you today. Notice Paul doesn't ask 
who shall separate Christ from our love? But he asked, who shall separate us from his love? Uh, verse 30, verse 37 through 39 in, in, in that eighth chapter, Roman goes this way. It says, nay, good God almighty, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life no angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know what? Any little thing comes, and, and many times those who are not strong in the Lord, you, you allow uh, 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 your love to separate you from Christ. You say, uh, any little thing comes. And you, you, you're being double-minded about who, who he is. You're being double-minded about his ability to help you. You're being double-minded about uh, his ability to see you through. But he said, no, hey, nothing separate you from his love. His, his love is stable. His love is dependable. His love is unchanging. His love is ever-present. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. He loves us so much that nothing could keep him from being with us in the darkness of life. And I need somebody to know that in spite of whatever it is you're going through, nothing will keep him from being with you in the darkness of life. And right now, I just feel that there's someone watching. Your heart is broken. You, 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 you've suffered loss. You're going through the pain of life lost, but God is saying, listen, in that dark season, oh, when you lose somebody special in your life, sometimes you feel like you'll never recover, you'll never heal, it'll never get better, but I hear the Lord saying, tell them, my child, I am right there with you to mend every broken piece, even when it feels like your heart is broken into a million little pieces, I am right there to mend the brokenness and to put those pieces back together again come on somebody he's gonna do it for you do you understand he got up hallelujah from the grave for you uh, you don't have to stay down he got up so you can get up he battled death and won it for you now he is risen for you his love wins for you. His light defeats darkness for you. His life defeats death for you. He busts the chains of death for you. He broke the seal on the tomb for you. He battled the powers of death and the grave and he won and he did it for you. No wonder Job declares in, in Job 19 and 25 and 26, he declared, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though 
after my skin worms destroy this body. Yes, this body will be destroyed at some point, but yet in my flesh shall I see God. I want you to know today, now, hallelujah, that resurrection power is here. Your delivering power, it doesn't have to be beautiful for him to come to your rescue. It doesn't have to be beautiful for him to resurrect things in your life. Why? Because he didn't get up out of the grave when it was still, when it was bright and sunny. He got up out of the grave while it was still dark. No wonder the songwriter declared, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, I'm here to let somebody know this is your day, this is your time. Lift up your head, oh ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Somebody declared, who is the king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. Lift up your head. Hallelujah. I come against right now in the name of Jesus, every bowed down head, and I decree and declare that the lifter of your head is right there, right now, in the name of Jesus. Your head is being lifted. Your strength is being restored. Hallelujah. Your faith is being renewed in the name of Jesus. Satan, take your hands off of God's property in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare a turnaround for you and for your family, for you and for your household, for you and for your loved ones, for you and for your children, for you and for your spouse, for you and for your children's children. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. And it is so, and it is so, and it is so. Oh, come on and talk to me. Hallelujah. Come on and talk to me. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. I see God doing some things. Yes, he's doing some stuff. He's doing some stuff in your life. He's doing some stuff in your life. Hallelujah. Anthony Mitchell, he's doing some stuff in your life. The God of a turnaround is here right now. The God of a turnaround is here right now. The devil is trying, hallelujah, to take you off course, but I hear God saying, not so, not so, not so. The God of a turnaround is here right now. Sister Helen, hallelujah, God is working in that career. Even the challenges that you are facing with your job and business, I hear God saying he is turning it around right now in the name of Jesus. Put your faith in him. Don't put it in man. Don't put it in the manager, the director, the VP. Don't put it in the boss. God says, put your faith in him and watch him work because he holds the king's heart in the palm of his hand and he turns it any which way he pleases. And I hear God saying he's turning it Good God Almighty, in your direction. Come on here, somebody. Come on here, somebody. He's turning it in your direction. Yes, Sister Johnson. Hallelujah. Uh, Clint. 
Cynthia, I think that's the way it is. Uh, Johnson, uh, hallelujah, the God uh, of a turnaround uh, and another chance, uh, hallelujah, is showing up for you right now. Now, I don't believe in talking about the God of a second chance uh, because we've had more than one, uh, one chance. Uh, honey, we've had so many chances. Uh, come on, let if all we had was a second chance, uh, we would be in bad, bad shape. Uh, but I give the God of another chance uh, saying, uh-uh, don't you get, don't you dare give up. Uh, he's stepping in. Uh, he's making it right. He's straightening it out. He's putting things in divine order uh, and he's doing it for you. As you surrender to him, he is working for you. Good God almighty. That's a word right there. As you surrender to him, he is working for you in the name of Jesus. Uh, hallelujah, Sister Priscilla, God is working for you. He's work and he's working in your family. There's a there's a work that you've been asking him to do for your family members. And I'm telling you, God is working in your family. This is not just going to be resurrection Sunday. This is going to be resurrection season for dead things that have died within your family. Hallelujah. Dead relationships. Oh, good God almighty. Dead hopes and dead dreams. But I hear God saying, Sister Priscilla, he is resurrecting on your behalf and on behalf of your family right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to go on and praise and praise and praise and praise and praise him. Sister, Sister Yada, that's the only way I know how to say your name, sis, out of Cincinnati. I hear the Lord saying, be encouraged and be strengthened in him. Be encouraged and be strengthened. Lift up your head and be encouraged because he did not bring you this far to leave you now. Everything that he has started in your life, he's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. And the Lord shall deliver you out of every evil work and preserve you unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. He's doing it for you. Hallelujah. Sister Carolyn Robinson, he's doing it for you. He's doing it in your life. Hallelujah. We praise him for what he's doing. We glorify him for what he's doing. Hallelujah. Now, Evangelist uh, uh, Deloney, uh, hallelujah. The Lord is saying to you, uh, even in your ministry, uh, God is about to do something very special. Now, you've been asking him to give you direction about some areas in your ministry. And I hear the Lord saying, uh, he wants you to just keep your eyes and your ears open because he's about to not only speak so that you can hear it, but he's going to show it to you. Now you're going to see it.